0: I want to start out by why are we doing this series? It's called Unmasking Beauty: Why the Arts and Creativity Matter. And I guess the, the way that that's posited, I'm saying that they do matter, right? We'll get to a question about why do they matter. I don't want to make that leap. We're gonna part of what we're hitting today is that why. But why are we doing this series? Why is this a part of culture and Christianity? So why are we doing this? First off, we. God is a creator, right? That's the first thing that we learn about God in Genesis. But very quickly, we also learn that we, part of his image, is that we are creators as well. Uh, The cultural mandate uh, is part of that in Genesis. Um, And we'll touch on that in another week. So it's important that we understand this for ourselves, but also understand that all humans, all of humanity, bears that part of God's image still. Beauty and art are a common grace. God didn't have to make a beautiful world, right? He did not, yeah. But he did. Yeah, exactly. Thank you, Lord. And thank you, Lord, that the fall didn't mess that. I mean, it messed beauty up. Kind of like, it did mess it up, but there still is beauty. And we'll touch on that as well. Um, and so it's a common grace. It's, it's, it's a bridge that we have uh, between believers and non-believers. Beauty and then in in its extension as creators, art reflecting beauty. But here's a big thing. We live in a highly visual culture. I don't think that I have to argue this point. But we need to understand what we see, right? Finally, and I think this is a big one, art and artists are typically misunderstood. Some things are, people might say art is meaningless. Or art is all that matters. Could be the opposite of that. Um, some might say art is dangerous. Art is secondary. Art is frivolous. Art's just an add-on. Also, certain artworks or perhaps art forms might be more important than others. Is I think, a common misunderstanding. And another might be that popular art is, is less than. That there's high art and then there's low art. So here's a basic outline. I will probably skip in and out of these. You'll hear vestiges of this. But we're going to start with why we need beauty and the arts. Because I feel like that's the starting place we need to hit. Next week we'll talk about creativity and the calling to create. And guess what? All of you. That fits. All of you. Everybody in this room. Doesn't matter if you see yourself as an artist. Um, You are a creator. You bring things into being. Not like out of the dust. Like God did, but you take the pieces that he did and you turn it into something new, right? So we all have a calling to create. The third week, we're going to look at understanding the arts as a means of understanding our neighbor. And then finally, um, and what I hope would be the goal of this series was that we would become a people that are more hospitable to artists. That would be a place of welcome and a place that can be... um, Uh, a place where the arts can flourish. So we are gonna start out with some table discussion. So I want you to think for a moment, what is something that you've encountered, whether in creation, out out in the world, or something in the arts? And when I say arts, I'm not saying art, visual art, talking music, performance arts, literary arts, culinary arts, gardening arts, I mean, Take it where you will. What's something that you've encountered that's shaped you or impressed an idea on your heart? Something that impacted you. All right, you've got five minutes. Go. Okay. So, what is beauty? I've already mentioned it. Beauty includes what's in the created order. Because when we say creation, I think we kind of default to think that's like going out and being on a hike. And that's when I'm in creation. But the created order, I see a lot of created order in this room right now. Okay, there's a lot, I, there's a lot of people staring back at me and that, that, that's um, God's created order. Um, we've got flowers outside, we've got beauty, we have air. Um, we have the creation all around us and we're experiencing the beauty of that all the time. Um, but then also beauty includes human uh, creativity. There's a lot of varying perspectives on what is beautiful in the church and in the culture. Throw out a couple things, either that you think that are kind of generally held by society today, uh, maybe kind of society bigger picture, like things that have been held for a long time, or things that are uh, held by the church, whether present-day church or church historically. Just a few ideas. What comes to mind? Stained glass windows. Stained glass windows, yeah. The Messiah, yes. Choir, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hymns. Hymns, yes. Assisting Chapel. Assisting Chapel, okay. All right, so things that are beautiful for the church. What about what's beautiful in today's society? What about views of what is beauty? Think about like... Yeah, there's a whole beauty industry. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah for better or worse, perhaps. We have sayings like, beauty is only skin deep. Beauty fades. In the 19th and 20th centuries, beauty actually became kind of a dirty word in the art world. Um, That's why we ended up with a lot of what happened kind of like modern music, modern modern classical music. 12 tone, very dissonant, very hard to listen to if you don't understand it. Mm -hmm. Abstract art. It was kind of like throwing the rules out. Yeah. Right. The art uh, world defined as beautiful got too constraining, and that played out in visual arts, played out in performance arts, but there's been a return in the last few decades um, that there is a return to saying, you know, I think that there is some, we do think there's something to beauty, Um, so we might touch that on a little bit next week in thinking about creators and and as well the the weeks ahead of that. Um, So there's this concept of beauty, goodness, and truth. Have have you heard this? Whether you've actually thought about it, or is this an idea that that comes to mind? I see a few nods. Thank you. Okay. Um, So this is an idea that uh, is tied to um, Platonism. Going back to Plato, Greek philosopher. uh, And it's an idea that is held within the art world that then actually has uh, been brought into a Christian way of thinking by way of uh, the uh, theologian uh, Thomas Aquinas. Christianized it is how it's typically referred to. And, And Platonism, let me get this right, Platonist is one who will see that this world is a copy of a heavenly world, of something beyond what we can experience. And so the arts are trying to find the perfect that's why you get so many paintings that are of the exact same subject, because the artist is trying to dwell on this idea and find a more perfect version of that ideal. And that what we're making are copies of what's out there. And for, the, for Christians, we can see this as um, that arts are imitating God's thoughts after him. There's a, a great, um, in, in this idea of uh, thinking God's thoughts after him, Um, we'll find ourselves that we are longing um, to make known the beauty of the life that that once was in paradise. Uh, For the artists, it would also want to see the tragedy of its present marring because of the fall, and finally, um, the hope of our final redemption. Here, creation, fall, redemption, restoration. And Jerem Bars, who's a name you'll hear me say a couple times over this, Uh, and if you've gone to. Trisha and Jimmy's um, small group, I'm sure they talk about Jerem Bars all the time. He's the roadmap for what they do. Um, but he, he has a book called Echoes of Eden, and this, it's this very idea of that. Um, we're thinking about the Echoes of Eden. Eden, it's an original story. Eden that was lost to us, and then Eden that will be restored. So what are some examples of beauty? Well, I, couldn't, I could spend a whole class and it wouldn't be worth doing, but I figured there's beauty of scale. There's cosmic beauty. I mean, I don't understand. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And like the beauty of science, that they could like build a thing that would look out that far and do this, like that's just amazing too. Um, There's a more approachable but still a grand beauty. Um, One of my favorite spots, um, El Capitan and Yosemite (coughs) National Park. Then there's beauty in small things and the detail I love i mean this is not this this is not a manipulated photo. this is what this hummingbird's coloring looks like. so watching things like um the BBC um, planets series, I just watch that on a big screen and get as close as you can like it just it's wonderful. but do we need beauty? Do we need it well Beauty beauty says you need me. Beauty says I'm going to draw you in. Why do we go on vacations? Why do why do we go to places like Yosemite? Why do we go to the Grand Canyon? Why do we go to the Great Barrier Reef? Why do we go see the Mona Lisa? Why do we go see the works of Rembrandt? Why do we're we're the only creatures that are in, that intentionally take time out of their life to go do something like this. Beauty has a pull on us, right? It pulls us in. It draws us in. Not only that, it draws us into community with one another. Remember the last good book that you read or the last great artwork or the last great concert you went to. Did you go home and not say anything about it? Did you not tell a friend? Did you not want to tell someone about what you experienced and perhaps when someone's done that for you like when they've shared with you about that it's a great way that actually get to learn something about that person a little bit better something that may you know just in an everyday conversation you might not have learned about that person um, and this drawing us into the community that's what week three is a lot of how to talk about the arts and how that bridges us into conversations with people uh, and finally, it draws us into experiencing God. A lot of times people talk about experiencing art and beauty as a spiritual experience, right? It doesn't matter if they know who the Christian God is or not. They talk about that there's spiritual experiences in the world, and it's through this. And it doesn't mean that God is in the artwork, right? It doesn't mean that when someone stares at the Mona Lisa and they have this divine experience, perhaps, um, That that is God, but it means that God is present in that moment. Russ Ramsey, another name you're going to hear from me, um, and a book that I'm going to recommend. He makes a pretty strong statement. We have a theological responsibility to engage deliberately and regularly with beauty. How many of us, taking out the theological responsibility and understanding that, how many of us are engaging deliberately and regularly? With beauty. But what, what does he mean by a theological responsibility? Well, first, in scripture, we see that God is inherently beautiful. Psalm 27:4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. When uh, Moses is on the Mount in Exodus, and he gets to see God. What? How does he come down the mountain? Yeah. Yeah. He's like bearing, like, it's like the glory is coming off of him. Uh, God's creation is also inherently beautiful. Genesis 1, over and over, and it was good. Behold, it was very good. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. Finally, God's people shall be adorned with beauty for all of eternity. If you look at Revelation 21, I saw a holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And thank goodness the fall didn't erase the beauty of creation. So, beauty matters, right? I think we've, we've come to... A level of understanding about that. You might disagree with me. And I'm happy to hear that. Um, But for time's sake. I'm going to keep pushing through. So do the arts matter? If beauty matters. Do we really need the arts? Well I'll say first off. I'll throw in my trump card. God cares about the arts. (laughs) Alright. Who's Bezalel? Who wants to jump in and tell me. Without looking up the scripture. Who's Bezalel? He, He was the primary craftsman. Um, of, of the temple and the tabernacle. He's also the first person that it's mentioned that is filled with the spirit in scripture. And so if you look that up in Exodus 35, that's the first mention that anybody was filled with the spirit. And what was he filled with the spirit to do? Crafting, Crafting to build beautiful things. So God, God cares about us being creators. Uh, in the tabernacle and the temple, if you look at scripture, it's full of literary genres, Right? It's got history, we've got law, we've got poetry, wisdom. I mean, Jesus speaks in all sorts of story forms, different images. Um, I mean, revelation alone, just like a lot of verbal, like, like trying to get our minds to imagine, right? Trying to rekindle imagination through words. Throughout the scriptures, there's also musical references, largely in the Psalms. Um, But, uh, I mean, David was a musician um, and wrote about that uh, in his experience with God. As well, there are dramatic representations. A number of the prophets had to act out what they were doing, right? In kind of weird ways. Kind of like some of drama today is performance art. It's weird. But back then they were doing performance art. And this is, uh, I love this woodcut of uh, Bezalel. Ned Bustard is a wonderful um, champion for the arts, but this is his, his chosen format, as woodcuts. I encourage you to seek out his work. If, you have, um, if you've ever seen copies of the book Every Moment Holy, he's the one that does the woodcuts for that. So uh, he's great. Follow him on Instagram. Can't go wrong. So the arts matter to God. God cares about it. Art's also matter to the culture, right? Okay, well, let's, let's look at a couple. Tom Petty. Music's probably the only real magic I have encountered in my life. There's not some trick involved in it. It's pure and it's real. It moves, it heals, it communicates, and does all these incredible things. Art is spiritual for him, right? And he has spiritual experiences with the people that he would perform with, both on stage creating music, but also um, with his audiences. Uh, another one, I went on Quora, which is a, a great place for crazy answers to crazy questions. But Hans Zimmer happened to pop in and write an answer. You guys are familiar with Hans Zimmer, perhaps if you 're a film buff like me it 's a great refuge from the world, and sometimes sometimes and it 's a great way of putting a smile on someone else 's face. You play something and you give joy to somebody else it 's great, maybe not the most profound statement, but he 's writing on Quora. But Tolstoy, all right, we should, we should rely on Tolstoy. And I took this from someone else's quote so that he could help us understand. But the bold is what Tolstoy says. There's a great, he has a whole book on art uh, and, and, and meaning. Um, in the words of Tolstoy, without literature, men would be like wild beasts because it endows an understanding and empathy in the reader. Even for someone who is much separated to him by time and distance, literature unites mankind. So I, I think it's pretty clear that I didn't have to look to Hans Zimmer or Tom Petty or Leo Tolstoy to be able to say we could pull anybody off the street. And most people would say art and beauty matter. So I will say that the arts should matter to Christians in the church. And we'll talk a little bit about future, what I mean by should. Sistine Chapel was already mentioned. Thank you, Bruce. Um, historically, arts and artists have been support, sponsored and, uh, by and incorporated into the life of the church. Very much in the Western church, but, th- but throughout the history of the church, arts have been an important part of the life of the church. But also, I think that if, if God cares about something, then we need to care about it too, right? So if we're going to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, part of that is we're loving what he loves, but if also, if we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves, not necessarily that we need to love the things, but we need to understand and see that art matters, and we'll unpack that over the next few weeks. All right, so I'm going to come. I'm going to wrap things up for my section um, with a few benefits, a few applications of why we need to experience art. Well, the first thing I mentioned, creativity of others helps us. Enter the creativity of God. And this is not just connecting with the creativity of people who love God. We can still see God's fingerprints on people who are very distant from him and can get a better understanding of God's love for them through that. A quote from Jerem Barrs again. The arts give us a wider and fuller view of God's good world. The arts enable us to look beyond ourselves and the horizons of our own experience. They help us to stop being so self-centered. It's kind of convicting. The arts help us to not be so self-centered. We get to, uh, pointing to what uh, Tolstoy said, that we get to empathize with other people. We get to try on their shoes art can be so self-centered also. Yeah, Sue asked if if art can become very self-centered. Yes. Um, And that, that I I mean, that's not just for artists who are creating outside of a a Christian belief. I think that Christians can become very self-centered in their art. And I'm going to touch a little bit on that. But in an ideal world, in a Platonic, (laughs) Thomistic world... Where things are perfect, yes, we get to stop being so self-centered and, and get to be out, outside of ourselves. Another concept um, that is a benefit of experiencing beauty in art is um, what's referred to as culture care, uh, a wonderful book I'd recommend, and you don't need to write these down. I'm going to show you a slide in a minute that has some book recommendations. be helpful. Uh, Makoto Fujimura, who is a wonderful artist. I will bring up, I, I have an um, illuminated manuscript of the Gospels that he has done. Um, it's amazing, uh, very unique um, art, and I can't even describe it. You just need to go read about him. But he talks about how art is, and beauty is a, is a, can be a means of culture care. Um, he shares a story about his wife is a therapist. Um, and at one point where at a very dark point in his life, uh, and was really struggling with his art, one day she came home with flowers and he said, why are the, why did you bring these here? I like, this is frivolous and this is not, this does not touch the experience that I'm feeling right now. I'm in deep depression and flowers are not going to bring me out of this. But because she's a therapist, she knew that this was actually the right thing. <laughs> um, that it actually, first of all, I mean, it helped him get out of himself, right? Back to this not being so self-centered. And something simple, it wasn't like she brought home, it's like, honey, I bought you this Van Gogh, look. Um, or, um, you know, like, you know, pull, pull in uh, a Michelangelo, uh, you know, sculpture. It was something very simple. She could have either picked from the garden or picked up on the way home. But it was bringing beauty into his life as a way to reshape his perspective. And I think that that's something that we have a calling as Christians for those who have hope to take hope out into the world. Beauty and art is a way to take that hope into the world. And that's what he means by culture care. I'm going to read this quote culture is not a territory to be won or lost, but a resource we're called to steward, steward with care. Culture is a garden to be cultivated. So we have a calling into the culture uh, and, and, to, and to bring uh, beauty into it. And then finally, Kurt Thompson um, is an author and a psychiatrist with a specialty in um, interpersonal neurobiology. So he thinks about the, the way the brain works, how our left brain and our right brain talk and don't like how they make make us function. And he has this very thought-provoking idea of that we need to be in the practice of putting ourselves in the path of oncoming beauty. I heard him give this talk at a... Uh, a worship conference that I was uh, helping put together. And uh, this would have been fall of 2021. And speaking to a room of people like myself who had just spent 18 months doing live stream and all of the other stuff on top of trying to survive, talking to a lot of very brokenhearted people that had, had for the most part, stayed in ministry, but were really struggling with that a lot of in thinking back to what mako said about um we we were in a room of this and he he said this that we need to put ourselves in the path of oncoming beauty yeah Uh, for those who may not have heard that in the back or on the recording john was saying that um, in public media now there's a lot of talk about um, needing to experience awe Um, and it's something to get ourselves out of ourselves but it also and this is where it's really hard because like i tried to I listened to podcasts. I tried to skim through his book. I cannot like give you the beauty of what he's talking about. So I think you just need to go listen to an interview or two with him. Um, not sorry, with Kurt Thompson, who has this idea. And we need, and this idea of putting ourselves in the path of oncoming beauty. It means go to an art gallery, sit in front of a few artworks for a while. Go down to the high. Just go over here to Emory. You can get a free pass over at the library um if you're lucky enough to get one of those passes <laughs> sit and intentionally listen to music don't have your phone on set it away or maybe first thing in the morning before you pick up your phone go sit in creation go stare at a tree go touch a tree your senses it's a, it's a sense thing so the neurobiologist in him is saying our right our right brain is so disordered that we we need To re-engage with that part of who we are and to not have to think, but allow it to speak to us, and really for God to speak to us by means of that. I've hit my time limit, um, and this is the challenge of me teaching these, but you guys are good because I'm gonna hand it off to someone else in a moment. You have homework. You didn't know that you it's summertime. You thought you were done with homework, right, people? You have homework. This week, you've got to put yourself in the way of oncoming beauty. And if you don't understand that, go Google it. <laughs> Figure that out. Be prepared to share about it in your tables next week, okay? As I said, um, this idea of putting ourselves in the path of oncoming beauty is something very hard to process and understand. And I think the best way to understand it is to hear from someone else other than me. I've asked Suzanne uh, Thompson to come here, uh, and she is gonna share a few words and then also show a little bit of how this idea has impacted her. So, um, hand it off to Suzanne.
1: Thank you. Good morning. I wanted to tell you a story, as Luke just said, about how, um, it's an everyday story, about how putting myself in the path of oncoming beauty led me more deeply to the Lord, and more deeply into the creative being that he made me to be, and more deeply into friendships and relationships with people all around the world. It was 2013. I knew that God was everywhere, but I needed to see him. Through the lens of my grief after my mother's death, griefs of my own sin, griefs of losses in communities and in relationships and friendships, I was walking through a very deep and dark time. My MO for the 51 years prior was when I experienced a trial to stuff it, don't say anything, move on, and try harder. And then suddenly this didn't work. I, I had no words, and um, I developed an eating disorder. Note, I am now healed from that. <laughs> um, but I needed to see the Lord in my present and in my darkness. So a few years prior, a friend of mine had given me a camera, and so I picked it up, and I started walking the same route every day. And I hoped that my lens would give me vision to what my heart could not see. And it did. As I walked that same route every day, unknowingly putting myself in the path of beauty, but knowingly putting myself in the path of God's creation, it was there that he spoke to me once again because the Lord has worked through nature for my entire life, even to draw me to him initially. Every morning as I set out, I began asking, Lord, what do you want me to see today? Show me. Suddenly, I was seeing flowers on the path that I had walked by many times before. I had heard about these different kinds of birds, but I swore I'd never seen a bluebird in my life up to that point, even though I loved birds. And the whole vast array of his creation was right there. And I'm talking about our neighborhood four miles away from here. So just like your neighborhood. As I would pull my photos up onto the screen and then I would crop them in, I started to see designs and intricacies and beauty that I hadn't even seen in that moment when I was walking by, or at least not knowingly. And he drew me in and suddenly, as I was doing this also, Then I wanted to study it and the language of science that God has given us to try and begin to explain this vast array of things that he has created became fascinating to me and all of these different things started coming together. I want to tell you a very short story about one photo that I took very early on. Um, At the time I was a teacher of second grade and my students had planted sunflowers and I brought the big pail home for the summer and I photographed one sunflower. Now, prior to this, if you had asked me to draw a sunflower, I would have done a circle and I would have done loops like this, like we all probably would. But there, after I pulled this, I saw it, but then when I pulled it up on the screen, there was one petal like this, and it didn't fit the shape and form in my head. And I saw the layers of all the petals, and I saw the intricacies, and Uh, Later on, I posted it, and actually, Alan Tubbs uh, said, oh, yes, those seeds are in the Fibonacci sequence. Okay, I had no clue what this was. Thank you, Alan. I saw you in here earlier. I don't see you. There you are. Okay. Um, And also, it became a metaphor for me. Um, I I was uniquely and intentionally made. Psalm 139, verses 15 and 16 says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. This was something else that I needed to grasp and to embody. So I started posting my photos on social media. And what happened is that people began to respond, telling me that they looked forward to seeing something positive in their feed. And knowingly or unknowingly, they were responding to beauty. They were responding to the Lord's creation. During this time, I was also living in the poetry of the Psalms. In the words penned through Psalms, and the songs and poetry of this book, words were given to me that expressed the depths of my grief, the depths of my questions, and the pleading of my heart. Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2 reads, As the deer pants for streams of water, So my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food, day and night. I read the poetry of the Psalms for truth and hope. Psalm 73, verses 23 through 26 reads, Yet I am always with you. You hold me by my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And earth has nothing I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I read the work of other poets and writers from several walks of life, and I kept stepping out on those walks, Seeing more and more of the Lord's beauty, design, interconnectedness. And I came up with a phrase that expressed simply my experience. The more you see, the more you hear. The more you hear, the more you listen. The more you listen, the more you see. And so it continues. I saw the beauty of the diversity he made, yes, in the gazillion kinds of flowers and birds just on my walk, but then applying that beauty to the richness and diversity he has expressed in peoples and cultures all around the world that are an expression of the body of Christ made in his image. By looking at one small area, he broadened my view And my love for and my relationship with him. And I began to heal and to grow more fully into the person that he made me to be. Now he is growing me as an artist to exhibits and shows. And I create simply out of an expression of what I'm experiencing. And he is growing me as a writer. And I share a weekly uh, nature email with a photo of things that I've seen. But what he is also doing is he is now growing me in relationships through these things with people all around the world. (laughs) It is totally and completely in his hand. And he then brings up conversations because people respond. I am so grateful for this. I am grateful for the healing. I'm grateful for the relationships. I'm grateful for the growth. And I'm grateful to get to see glimpses more of our great creator As Luke mentioned, uh, this week I hope that you will take a moment to seek out beauty in any of the number of ways that he um, put up on the screen or however that reaches out to you. But I want to show you a three-minute video. Yeah, we'll have three minutes. Um, Of of some photographs that I took over a 13-month period. All of these photographs were taken in a one-mile radius of our house. So I hope that these will encourage you to step out as well and to see what is right there. Thank you.